Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shop of the Pack podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary, and with me this week, returning from injured reserve, is my co-host extraordinaire, the Matt LaFleur to my Adam Gase, the prodigal son himself, is James. How are you doing, James? Yeah, not too bad. Glad to be back. Um, had a, a na- nasty bout of man flu last week. Which yeah, man flu, not COVID? <laughs> yeah, no, I had a COVID test and that came back negative, thankfully. But um, yeah, back and ready to talk about uh, another Packers win. Yeah, I see my name says it. What's that, five and one now? I mean, it's, it's looking pretty good for the season, is it not? It certainly is. I think that it was a, well, a really good win to get back, obviously, after a pretty disastrous result against the Bucks, where sort of everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. So it's just nice to, to you know, play up to their ability. Obviously, they had the, quite a few players that they were missing uh, and to win that comfortably against a team who, although obviously not had a great season, have still got a lot of star players and to win that comfortably very nice. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they looked better than they had under Bill O'Brien, but they still look like a Bill O'Brien team. I mean, they, they put up what, um, well, like, the short Watson still put up like, over 300 yards. He put up more, more yards than uh, Aaron Rodgers. So they, they can't be a bad team. They're just badly coached at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at their offensive skill possession players, they're probably more talented than the Packers uh, in total. I take Rodgers out of this, but look at their receivers, they're certainly sort of more talented than the Packers. So the defense worked really, really well. Um, you actually look at what season, he's sort of first in yards per attempt, third in DVOA and ranked fourth by pro football focus this season. Obviously, he's currently languishing on a, a one and five team in the Texans, but he's actually played really well. So I think that's, that's really credit to the defense because they all stood up. Uh, and were countered against what are still fairly formidable uh, offensive team in the tech. Yeah, I mean, like you know, did, as you say, like the, the the defense has been playing pretty well at the moment. Um, Devontae Adams, like, had a bit of a career game, did he not? Like almost two hundred yards, two touchdowns. He had a bit of a nothing game against the Bucks last week, but this week he's just like a brand new man. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams was just awesome again. Very similar to that week one performance against the Vikings, where he just off uh, Rogers him early and often and, and have found him consistently uh, yeah 30 catches 196 yards which you say is is a career high it's actually the most um by a Packers receiver since Jordy Nelson back in 2014 so yeah he had a had an amazing performance and when you're going to when the continue to play him in, in sort of man-to-man coverage and not give him double coverage that's what he's going to do to you because he, he's seriously that good yeah, it's, it's, it was incredible. Like, there wasn't really, like, looking around there, the sort of box wasn't there, there wasn't really much of anything happening for many other people. Robert like, um, Tunyon had 32 yards, Jamal Williams 37 yards. Apart from that, not really a lot. It was pretty much all going through Adams. He, there wasn't even like 100 team rushing yards either. So it's uh, it's clear, clear to see who's uh, WR1. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, going into to, to this week from, from an offensive of your team, no Aaron Jones was the big story in the lead up to, to the game, and they obviously, yeah, as I say, they, they relied very heavily on Devontae um, on third down, obviously the crucial down. We can Packers went seven of twelve. Now all seven of those conversions were Devontae Adam catches, so he was, yeah, as you say, the key man on, on Sunday and absolutely decimated the tech. Just want to touch quickly a bit more on the, the defense there because we had Adrian Amos who played really well, one sack, one fumble recovery. Uh, Big Z only had one sack. Um, but Chris Barnes, who are, we are legally obliged to mention, I think he just picked up out of free agency. He got himself a sack as well. 
Um, they're looking they're looking a lot better than they did last week against the Bucks. The defense. Yeah, I, I personally think that was the Packers' defense best game of the season. Um, they put it all together. I think that you can't go without mentioning Jair Alexander. He's been unbelievable thus far this season. Uh, he allowed no completions uh, again. He was sort of lined up on on Will Fuller, who probably a top ten receiver in in the in the league, and say to allow no coverage, uh, no completions once again on one target. He's PFF's sort of number one graded quarterback for this season, and it shows. Obviously, the last few weeks he's gone up against, um, as I say, Fuller, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, and they've all come out looking pretty. So, yeah, no, he he really is truly becoming an absolute stud. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot to be said about Jared Alexander. I think he's one that we need to look at getting paid a bit sooner rather than later. Um, he's looking like a, an absolute talent we need to develop in the near future. Um, the game itself, though, was probably closer than it ended up uh, being reflected in the scoreline. Uh, do you think that's down to good play calling from Lafleur or bad from Houston? Um, I mean, it, the Packers always keep your yeah sort of bums on your seats. They, they they find a way to make things slightly more difficult than they probably should, particularly when you you get the punt blocked and then you you get the um, the onside kick recovery. So the Packers managed to to somehow keep it slightly interesting going late into the fourth quarter when in reality it was a very should have been a very very comfortable win somehow well that they played on, on sort of offense and defense the special teams really did sort of let them down um, I'll probably give them a pass this week just because they've been good up to this point this this season but if they continue to make those sorts of errors it would be a concern because although it's uh, the least glamorous of the three phases of the game it is still a crucial crucial part and you can't be giving sort of back sort of free possessions or great field position. I mean, had that ball, that block punt bounced differently, it could have very end, easily ended up it, sort of in the end zone. And then all the good work the defence and the offence have done can be undone. So it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, as you, as you say, like, it was probably one of the, the better weeks that the Packers defence have got for a, for a good little while. Um, looking ahead to the, the Vikings game, obviously the Vikings are coming off a bye week. Kirk Cousins has been absolutely toilet the last couple of seasons. Uh, they Yannick and Gokwe trade as well. What was that about? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Obviously, they traded for him just before the start of the season with a lot of fanfare, sent a second-round pick to, to Jacksonville to get him in. And obviously, the, the, the plan going into the season was, was to pair him and, and Daniil Hunter. On paper, obviously, that's a, a pretty formidable defensive end partnership. Unfortunately for the Vikings, Fortunately for the rest of the, the NFC North, Packers included, that hasn't, hasn't really turned out to be the case. Daniel Hunt has been hurt all, all season. Uh, and they, they realise that they're one and five at this point. They're not going anywhere this season. And in Gottfried's definitely not going to a new deal. So they thought we'll try and get something for him. So they traded off him to the Ravers for a third round pick. Based on the fortunes of those teams, it almost was a two round swing. Because Ravens likely going to be picking very late in the round, Vikings very likely to be picking very early in the round. So, yeah, not a great move from from the GM when you look back on it. But um, yeah, they're just trying to recoup some of the value. Clearly, they're going on in the tank for the, for the rest of the season based on some of the moves, and they may well be a few more before the trade den- deadline this time next week. Some of the rumors that are coming out. So, uh, what, do, what do you think is it that's going wrong over in Minnesota? Because a lot of people had the Vikings as possible playoff contenders this year. Um, like they, they it was it's only a couple of years ago they were like quite deep in the playoffs and then the bottom of the division in what three years four years or something like that like where where do the issues lie? 
Yeah, um, I mean, they obviously went to the, the playoffs as, as uh, sort of last year and had that big win in New Orleans. And you think you thought perhaps coming into this season they were going to going to build on that. Now they they did lose quite a lot of veteran talent, particularly from the defensive side of the ball, in the off season, and, and they brought in a lot of, of young guys to sort of cover, which is obviously always going to take a bit of time to bed in but it hasn't just been that Cousins has seems to have regressed massively this season obviously they've re-upped him gave him a new deal so they're locked into him for another few seasons which is obviously fantastic news um, they also sort of re-upped the coach and the GM so what they do next after such a disastrous season obviously it's not over yet but it, it certainly look, looks like they're, they're starting to think about next year so it will be interesting to see sort of where they where they go from here because they, they say everyone's Tied up to new deals, the three key men. I think Cousins has only got the till the end of next season before his, his money runs out because he's what forty million this year and next year, and then that's pretty much it, I think. So after that, like, what do they do? Do they draft someone decent this year? Do they do they trade for someone decent this year? Let them sit for a year, learn the playbook. Because um, yeah, there's been a lot of talk of Mike Zimmer getting the move as well, but I mean, I don't think that's particularly fair. He's done quite well in Minnesota, and if he's going to keep playing like he has done this season, they should probably keep him, right? Yeah, I think they should. He should probably be given a mulligan uh, this season. If you look back over what he's done in his sort of whole career there, I think that he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Again, if, I mean, if we're in this position this time next season, then I think his seat will be get, getting a lot warmer. But I think that he deserves one more crack at it, so to speak, to see how he gets on on next season. Cousins, it's an interesting one. Obviously, if they do continue in the same vein that they're they're presently on, you'd anticipate they're probably going to have a very high draft pick. And if that is the the case. Can they get one of those top-end QBs? Can they get him to sit behind Cousins and learn uh, at his side for, for a bit and then bring him in perhaps towards the back end of next season? Maybe. Um, that could be an option. Obviously, it depends to see how many wins they pick up towards the end of the season and how high they're drafting. Obviously, they're probably going to pick up a few more wins. Um, don't you think they're probably going to be in that sort of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields conversation, but they might be in for the sort of third, fourth best QB in, in draft potential. So if if you're a if you're a Vikings fan, do you want someone to uh, sit behind Cousins and learn from Cousins, who's just not produced for two years, or do you want them to maybe trade up for someone who's been in the league for a couple of years, been a bit uh, a bit dynamic or something like that? You know, because if you think about it, the like Sam Darnold's not a terrible quarterback, but he's probably lost his job purely because of Adam Gase. Let's be honest. So Trevor Lawrence is likely going to the Jets, so he's probably going to be available. He's not a terrible QB, might be a decent fit. He's got experience. It's worth a, worth a punt, no? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd certainly see the, the value in doing that. Yeah, I think the main difficulty is is getting Cousins' contract off the books. If anyone's prepared to take that on, they would have to sort of swallow a lot of dead money if, uh, and cap space if they were going to sort of get rid of him. The only potential option, which would be highly salacious at this point, would perhaps a trade maybe to Dallas. Obviously, you could imagine perhaps him coming in uh, and maybe steering them to the playoffs just because he's probably slightly better than than Dalton at this point. But yeah, other than that, I just can't see who's going to take that salary on. So they're, they're probably stuck with him. He's either going to be the backup on an awful lot of money or he's going to be the starter who's not very good on a lot of money. I can't see him going to the, the Cowboys because I saw something not long before we, we started recording that the Cowboys are possibly going to aim for trading for either Dwayne Haskins or for Fitz. So I don't think Kirk Cousins is in that particular conversation. Uh, I think I think probably Haskins would be the one to go right out of those two. But that's uh, that's probably a question for another day. I think. 
I'd, I'd take Fitz Magic, baby, if it was me. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Haskins just you know, showed very little. Obviously, he's not had an awful lot of opportunities up to this point. But Fitz Magic, he is going to bring the magic sometimes. He'll probably sneak you into that awful NFC East. We're going to at least get, keep you competitive until the end of the season. Well, all he needs to do is get like two wins in Dallas, and that's probably got the division done. Well, it's going to be right there or thereabouts. I think that, yeah, sort of five, six wins is probably going to do it. And they've already got two. So well, that, that division's going right to the wire of, like, the, the, just the bin. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's such a bad division. Absolute antithesis of, of the NFC West at this point. The, the NFC West is obviously all teams above 0.500. And they're currently on course for the highest winning percentage of any division in NFL history. Now, obviously, they've still got a lot of games to play against each other, which will likely bring that down. But it just shows the quality. That is, as I say, the complete opposite of the NFC East, which is well on course to be the worst division in NFL history uh, this season. So we could have the best and worst in one uh, single season, which would be an interesting uh, What a year it has been. What a year. <laughs> um, all right, speaking of divisional rounds, NFC Northwest, do you want to take it away? You've probably done more yeah. than me on this. Yes, yeah, so... so Bears, uh, they lost last night, which is always good to see. Um, obviously, what lost game, and it was fucking terrible. Yeah, it looked. I mean, so I watched that, the the highlights this morning, and I, I don't think the highlights would have uh, been the term I'd use to describe them. Uh, the first <laughs> player on, on the on the field by a mile was the was it Johnny Hecker, the Rams. Rams yeah, the Rams, like, Rams punter. One yard line every single time. Pinging it into the ten. No, he he played really well, but yeah, when the punter's taking the the line or <laughs> the line you know that uh, it's probably not been the best game. Obviously, I don't think you learn an awful lot from, from that game. Everyone all season has been saying that this Bears team, their defence is good. It's one of the better defences, top five in the league, arguably top three. But their offence is just too inconsistent. They haven't got a running game to speak of at this point. And they, they're relying too heavily on either Trubisky or Foles to pass them out of trouble and, and they're not good enough quarterbacks to, to do that when they haven't got the, the team and the talent around them so I think that the, the, the fact that the Bears even had five wins at this point was already a bit ridiculous and I think that was a, a comeback down to earth they've got a really tough run over the course of the next couple of weeks as well so I wouldn't be too surprised if we if we saw the Bears drop another couple of games and actually um, in the next few weeks or get to about five and four and probably about fair based on the talent on that squad. They've got the Saint there, sort of hosting the Saints this week, which is going to be a pretty tough game. I think they probably lose to the Saints personally. I think, yeah. I mean, like Drew Brees, is, he's fallen off a cliff, but if he, if he could just like, keep hold of that little cliff edge for another week or two, I'd feel a lot better about it. Yeah, I mean, I trust that that talent on that team um, is pretty talented. Yeah, Drew Brees has regressed, but yeah, when compared against the the Bears, I think they've probably got enough to pull out pull out a win there. So I would I think they'll probably drop to five and three after this week. Um, the Lions, however, they did manage to win, and it was one of the wilder games, uh, not just of this season but of recent memory. I don't know if you saw the the highlights, but with late in the game, all the Falcons had to do to win the game was for Todd Gurley not to fall into the end zone. They could have yeah, stopped. Yeah, not score. Yeah, they it's, just had to not fall over into the end zone. They could have stopped the clock with three seconds left and kicked the game-winning field goal and gave the Lions absolutely no chance. What actually happened is he falls over, scores a touchdown, 
one of the funniest photos I think I've ever seen from an NFL perspective is the pictures of the Lions defenders making the touchdown signal to the referees whilst <laughs> whilst Gurley is, is just fallen into the end zone. It left Stafford with a minute and 12 seconds to drive up the field, 75 yards up the field and then hit TJ Hawkinson for, for the game-winning touchdown. Um, it was a crazy game. The Falcons doing what Falcons have seem to be better. I mean, the Lions-Falcons, it is, pretty much is the choke ball. So it had to be a, an impressive choke to, to win that game. And, and they really did pull, up, pull out all the, the stops in terms of the power to choke a game. Do you think Dan Quinn was sitting at home watching it going, yeah, it's clearly not me. That's just the team's just crap. Like, I, I'm brilliant. It's just look at the state of these people. I'm not even there. And they're still losing every fourth quarter. He must yeah, be rubbing his hands together about it. It's their DNA at this point, isn't it? Until proven other not, otherwise, they are the, the choke artists of the NFL. And, yeah, it's truly remarkable how they keep managing to throw these games in just the most outlandish positions. Uh, good news for the Vikings. They I mean, didn't lose this week. No, uh, which is certainly a, a fairly new for, for them at this time. They obviously were on their bye, so, so they didn't, didn't get a win. But, um, yeah, they managed to, to avoid defeat. Obviously, that won't be the case this week. <laughs> so, but uh, at least they, their fans can, can take some cheer in the fact they haven't lost for a week. Yeah, that's... Uh... There's a couple of Lions fans, uh, Lions fans, well, probably as well, but actually a couple of Vikings fans. I know they've already kind of given up on this season. Uh, we've obviously spoke about it in fair depth beforehand, so I won't, uh, won't rub it in their faces. But I know that Andy is listening, and uh, yeah, Andy, good luck for the rest of the tank. Um, right, looking around the rest of the NFL, if we start with the Thursday night game, the Giants Eagles, that was a shit game as well. Let's be honest, nothing terribly exciting. I think the highlight was uh, Danny Dimes falling over. Yeah, obviously, I reckon Danny Dimes knew the second that he, he fell over that he was likely to be the, the talk of the internet. I don't, when I woke up, I, the memes are plenty of him falling over. So he sprints out, records a higher, uh, fastest speed than uh, Lamar Jackson or Tariq Hill this season, and then ruins it all by falling flat on his face with no one around him. It pretty much sums up the Giants, that division, and the year 2020, <laughs> perfectly, I think. It's, it was fascinating. Like, the, game, the game itself was pretty turgid, I suppose. Um, one, one thing I did see for the whole thing was that Wentz has been, most of the people that Wentz has thrown to this year have been like, promoted from the practice squad. So how trash and injury ravaged is the original 53 if the practice squad guys are getting all the receptions? Yeah, the, the Eagles really have had horrific luck when it comes to, to injury so far this season. They are the most banged up team um, at the moment. I think that they, the last few games, they've, they've been missing something like 13 starters, which obviously from the number from 22, that's the vast majority of your team at this point. And, and they're, they're still managing to pull out some wins. I think that they're, they are probably the best team in that division, which is obviously not saying an awful lot, but I think they're probably, they're, they're my pick at this point to, to go on and win the division just because I think Russ Wentz to just about cobble it together with some absolute postmen and, and plumbers to, to get to, 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 to win the division So if do you think that if the uh, if the injuries weren't quite as bad as, as they have been for the Eagles they'd be like slapping their taste out of the mouth of the rest of the division they'd just be like well I don't know I've actually faced many of the rest of the division obviously they faced uh, the Giants then. they must have done what two or three games so they'd be couple of extra up in the division but so so far they've played two division games 
based on my memory. They they lost in week one against Washington. Um, they were seventeen nothing up, I believe, and, and somehow managed to lose that game. Yeah. And then obviously they they beat the Giants very very narrowly. I don't know if they'd be sort of absolutely smashing the team. I think there's still a pretty big talent deficit in this squad, but I think it's probably on paper, arguably the, the Cowboys if they actually could be bothered are the two strongest in that, in that awful division. Yeah, it's a, a terrible division. I feel like that's going to be something we say quite a lot for a long time in this whole season. That division is just terrible. Uh, because it, even, even with the Jets in the, is it the AFC East, AFC North, sorry, um, that's not even the worst division in football, which is fascinating because you think by like just pulling down the average, that division would be pretty terrible. But no, it's the, the NFC East that just taking that and running with it. Yeah, as I say, I mean they're currently on course to to have the the lowest winning percentage of any of any division in, in NFL history, and based on the performances they're putting out week out week out, you wouldn't put it. But well, you'd certainly back it. I think it's probably pretty good odds if you can get on the on the on the, the bookmaker of choice at this point. Uh, moving on briefly, uh, Lions Falcons. We spoke about it just a minute ago. Uh, Lions twenty three, Falcons twenty two. Matt Patricia seems to somehow snatch his job from the jaws of unemployment every single week. And I can't work out how. He must have photos of the owners or something. Yeah, I mean, he, he holds on for dear life. I've actually won two on the bounce now, um, which obviously pretty impressive for, for the Lions team. You, you obviously think back to that week one game against the Bears where, where they had the, the game winner in the hands of, of DeAndre Swift. So th- this team could conceivably be four and two at this point, which know isn't isn't too bad so you do have to wonder obviously the, the wins that they they have had recently the falcons obviously been pretty poor and they beat the, the jaguars who've also been pretty so far this season so not exactly anything to write home about in terms of opposition but wins a win in the nfl um got the colts this week which is going to be a much more challenging proposition they've just come off a bye week but yeah i, I think probably you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, that sort of ballpark would probably be a fair representation of, of where they are as a team at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I think they're about bang average, if not a little bit less. So if they, if they do hit eight and eight, then they're probably doing the top end of what they can achieve under Matt Patricia with the, the squad they have. But it's, I can't see it being... Is he going to be there at the end of the season, do you think? Do you think they're, they're finally going to get... That's enough for you. Thanks very much. Dan Quinn's available. Let's get, the, let's get the fourth quarter losses coming. I I think they might keep him on. I think it obviously depends how they go for the rest of the season. I think if they get to eight and eight, I just think they might give give him, keep him on for another year, um, just to see if he can build on, on that. I think that would be what is progress from where they finished last season. So it'll be intriguing to see if if they do keep him on. But I think that probably just about save his job. It's a shame. I, I, I don't know if it's a shame. Actually, I was going to say it's a shame that he's he's in his job, but then he's keeping the lines at. Uh... At low level, so it's it's quite good divisionally. But apart from that, I mean, I can't really, I can't see why he's still in a job. He's he's just bumbling along, bang average. Do you know what I mean? If like, if if he was if he was in like the the English Premier League or something like that, he'd have been out of the job years ago. Yeah, half, half a season, uh, he would have been done. I mean, I'm more than happy for sort of Matt Nagy and <laughs> Matt Patricia to keep their keep their jobs. Um, it makes certainly makes it a lot easier from our from our point of view. So, yeah, they can they can sort of keep bumbling on, making the same mistakes, and yeah, that's all, all fine by me. Fair enough. 
Uh, what about the Browns-Bengals game? I thought that was... I mean, I knew it was going to be a close game considering what happened in was it week one or two, like earlier in the season. Um, but I, th- I could have seen the Bengals edge in this one. You know, I think Joe Burrow's been playing really well and uh, Baker's been just not great the last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, Baker obviously had a lot of crit- critics. It's, he had an awful game against the Steelers last week and, and coming into this game, there was growing and, and mounting pressure, rightly so based on his performances up to this point. And, and that wasn't made any better. But when he started the game sort of 0, and 0 for 5 with an interception, so it really didn't look very good, then he seemed to start to, to light up. Obviously, this isn't a very good Bengals team. But he, he then completed his next 21 passes um, <laughs> for four touchdowns, threw, uh, had one spike, and then threw another touchdown. So his one incompletion was actually him purposely throwing the ball at the ground to stop the clock. So he really, really lit up and one of his best in, in a, a Browns unit, whether or not he can build on that and make sort of be more consistent moving forward remains to be seen. But uh, at least for one more week, the, the critics will, will sort of find down in Cleveland. I get the impression with Baker that he needs to be the underdog to to achieve anything, I mean, so he went he went down zero, well, as you said, like a over five in the in the first quarter, whatever it was. But he's he came back a lot stronger than that afterwards. He needs to have the the mentality of being the guy who's put upon. Not not entirely. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Rogers, but not entirely dissimilar to Rogers in that he, he plays better from uh, a position of attack where he needs to get where he needs to get up to that next level. Do you know what I mean? If he's on top, he just he falters like he has too much time for himself. Yeah, I think obviously that's a lot of our athletes have that, that in order to get into that mindset that they have to think that there's some slight or perceived slight. Obviously, he had been coming under a, a fairly intense amount of pressure from different angles of, of the media just based on his recent performances. But yeah, he definitely strikes me as the, as the sort of character that that really gets him going. Um, so the more that people talk about him, the more that he gets fired up and obviously he can come out and he can perform like this. This is just ultimately what people want to see. After he flashed that first half a season, when he after he was drafted by the Browns, everyone was so excited coming into year two, and since then he, he has been a bit of a letdown. There's no there's no two ways about it. So when he does perform like this, you go, you, you have to question sort of why has it been so few and far between? Just because he's clearly got the talent there, must be very frustrating from a Browns fan point point of view. Yeah, no, it must be. Like, as you say, like he, he flashed with moments of brilliance in that first or half season. Uh, when he took over from Tyrod, but I mean after that, he's he's been flattering to deceive in more games than not. I think um, on the the Bengals side of the equation, I think a few a few like O line acquisitions, maybe another weapon. I mean, it could be a half decent team. Maybe yeah. the, the Lions sort of level about eight and eight, seven and nine sort of thing. It just shows you what a competent quarterback can do. Obviously, they were an awful side last season, uh, and then they brought in Joe Burrow, and yes, they're losing these games, but. They're close. They're keeping them close week in, week out, which just goes to show you that they are really only a few additional pieces from being sort of semi-competitive, as you say. I think, yes, O-line is crying out. He's under pressure on every single snap. And you have to fear for his life at some point with the amount of time he's coming under intense pressure and getting hit hit after hit. That was my franchise quarterback. I'd be seriously concerned. But, yeah, he certainly flashed. and He is looking every bit the first overall pick at this point. He can't. He surely can't keep taking hits like that because it's just going to 
it's going to hit like his confidence will suffer, his his uh, his decision making will suffer because he's he's always going to be conscious of that guy coming over his shoulder to take his head off kind of thing. Um, surely that's that's like the big thing that since you need need to look at in the next two, even in the trade, you know, uh, once the trade window closes, they need to start looking properly at to build for next year to give him the the protection he needs to to make them the next big thing. Surely. Yeah, I think that. I mean, going into the draft, that's got to be priority number one. Is is making sure you have some tackles uh, and guards who can can keep him clean because as we've seen what he can do when he's under pressure. So can you imagine if he had a bit of time, he's going to absolutely carve NFL defenses up, which is is obviously exactly what what Cleveland wants to see, um, Cincinnati moving forward. But yeah, absolutely, that's got to be priority number one of the off season for them. Yeah, no, no definitely, because like, he, he could go on to something massive. Probably not with the Bengals. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to let him go at any stage or, or for any amount of money, draft picks, whatever else. But if he was at, like, say, I don't know, just a, a team in a better line, he could already be, like, an elite, well, potentially an elite-level uh, elite level quarterback, surely. Because he's got the – he appears to have the talent and the drive and the, the smarts about him as well. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly been very, very impressive up to this point. I think, obviously, him and Herbert at this at this point have both really, really flashed. And it's funny, you see some guys, as you mentioned Darnold earlier, for example, obviously he's been in a, a very, very poor Jets team. And I think, yes, you, you can make the excuse that he's been under um, Gase. But what these guys have shown in a, a few only a matter of a few weeks is probably more than Darnold showed in his whole career up to this point. Yes, he's not in a good situation, but neither are these guys when you think about the amount of, sort of their own line and the amount of pressure they're under. So it does show, show when you've got a guy, you can usually tell pretty pretty quickly. I'll be pretty excited to watch two of this week because his first start against the Rams. It'll be intriguing to see how he goes because there's almost more pressure on him now than if he'd have started week one because both Burrow and Herbert the, the other guys at the top of the round have both come out and looked really good. So now if he doesn't look great in his first performance, suddenly everyone goes, oh, Miami made a mistake. They should have taken... Uh, they should have traded up for Burrow. Um, so that would be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, like, like the the further additional pressure on uh, on tours, he's taken over from a, a Fitz who's playing really, really well. I mean, he's, he's also been in, the, in the, the news that Fitz is, shall we say, a little bit upset that it's happened. And, uh, and and rightly so, I'd argue. Like you know, he's, he's always has his mid-season drop-off and that. But he, I say, he deserves another couple of weeks at least. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always harsh when you, when you're winning and you get pulled. That <laughs> as a starting quarterback, obviously, he won two straight games uh, going into San Francisco and absolutely thrashing them. Is obviously the most notable of, the, of those two games, beating the Jets. Not not quite as much, but yeah, to, why, to win two. Why is, it, why is it not important that he's beating the Jets? Surely a win's a win in the NFL. You said it yourself not long ago. <laughs> There's still different calibers of wins, and um, <laughs> yeah, obviously you win two straight games. You think your job's probably safe for that for that week, and and then to find out, and, and the manner in which he found out was apparently was via his kids texting him because it had been broke uh, via sort of one of the insiders. Um, in the building and he got a text from one of his kids so to be not sort of told by the coaches and, and find out in that manner you're, you're obviously going to be pretty pissed off no doubt about it and, and rightly so he mentioned that he was heartbroken and you can understand why he's obviously he's getting on at this point in time he realises that 
starting quarterback jobs. There's only 32 of them, ultimately speaking. They don't come around all the time. Yes, you could potentially force a trade uh, at this point in time, but you know he thought this was his team, and, and he was he had he has them in position to to make a realistic playoff push if they'd have sort of kept him on, on the reins. So it must be yeah, hundred percent. I mean, all, all the, the uh, Miami fans must be praying is that Tua comes in and just like smashes it like they thought he would. They spent all last year praying that they were going to get him in the draft. They he dropped the fifth when they picked him up, and uh, and now he's playing second fiddle to Fitzpatrick, who's been playing really well as well. It must, it's it's a bit of a luxury problem for down in Miami for Brian Flores. He's got the two, you got the guy that he wanted and the guy who's playing well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a nice problem to have having to to pull your starter when you're, you're winning games. Now, from Miami's point of view, they have been building very consistently now for the long term. I don't think that if they were to lose all of their games, as long as Tua didn't look absolutely horrific, they would actually mind all that much just because their plan has been pretty clear. They, they, they tanked last season to get uh, Tua and their plan is for the long term. They want to get to a point where they're actually competing for Super Bowls, not just for playoff berths, which is what their problem was for the last sort of 10, 15 years. And they'll be there, thereabouts, occasional playoff berth here, and then get bumped in the first round. And they, don't, they want to do something different. They look, want to look at it slightly different and go, actually, no, we're going to take this completely down to the ground level uh, and start again. So from their point of view, winning all these games and, and perhaps sneaking into the, the playoffs is probably not the best outcome because they'd rather have a higher draft pick and really build this team up around Tua so they can challenge for the next sort of five, ten years. Yeah, well, they've, been a, they've been acquiring draft picks down in Miami as well for a couple of years as well. Obviously, they got the, the first and second rounds from the Texans this year. And I think they've got a couple from Tennessee for Ryan Tannehill, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I may be getting my numbers all mixed up there, but I'm pretty sure they traded a couple for him as well. So, that, you know, the next couple of years could be very interesting for their draft. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and obviously that Texan, those Texans picks at the moment, they're looking pretty good picks as well. So they might even be better than the picks that, that they they have, which would you wouldn't have said going into to, to sort of when the trade was made. So no, nah, you could have put money on it being the other way around, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on to the next game, then Steelers Titans. That was quite the game. Um, Steelers were looking pretty good, but they they were turning the ball over quite a lot. I noticed. Yeah, I mean, it was the, obviously the, the battle, the last two. Well, two of the last undefeated teams, and the Steelers obviously came out on top. They rushed out to a 20-point lead, and, and you thought, Christ, this Steelers team really are legit. And then the offense went in the tank, as you say. They started well, Ben Roethlisberger through a, a number of picks uh, and really gave the momentum back to Tennessee, and they almost pulled it all the way back. They missed the, the game-tying field goal which would have sent the game to, to overtime. Laskowski's had one of the weirdest seasons in recent memory for a kicker at this point. He seems to either hit a game winner or miss a game winner every single week. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. He's either the hero or the villain every week for that, for that Titans team. But um, yeah, this week he was the villain and they, they picked up their first L of the season. But that Steelers team, that offense can, can stay consistent. Feeling really is a Super Bowl because they they've really played complementary football when it's all clicking. Yeah, they they've got a lot of weapons that I really like. Uh, I like the look of um, uh, Chase Claypool and uh, is it David Montgomery? Is he is he there? Or is he somewhere else? I'm sure he's there. What am I thinking of? So, no, Montgomery's the 
running back for the, for the Bears, but um, they've got obviously Juju, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, as you That's mentioned. Um, so, yeah, they've got pretty stacked receiver room. I think the, the oldest guy in that room is Juju, who's like 22. So that they could be a pretty decent offense for a good few seasons to come if, if Big Ben can uh, keep keep it going. How many years do you think he's got left in the tank? Was he well, not drafted this year as Eli? Yes, he was drafted back in 2005. Uh, no, 2004, sorry, along with Eli and Rivers. So they've been in the league for, for some time. He's toyed with retirement a few times and, and mentioned it. And obviously he had um, that pretty gruesome wrist injury last season and many people thought that that might be be it for him obviously he's come back he's been a bit hot and cold um, he's done that often in his career but he's still a very very good quarterback certainly top top 15 and um, certainly when you've got defense and as much skill position talent as they've got capable of leading them to us to more deep in the playoffs potentially super Bowl. i think the i think having a year off last year has done him quite a lot of good I think, like, you know, obviously Eli, was it last year, the year before he retired, and Philip Rivers has obviously moved to uh, moved to the Colts now because he's on a bit of a decline. But ben, Big Ben just looks like he's just picked up where he left off two years ago. He's, he doesn't look like he's missed a step at all. I think he's looking really good. I think the year's rest has done him an absolute power of good. I mean, he still looks like a big, fat bastard. But apart from that, you know, I mean, I'm hardly one to talk, do you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> people in glass houses and all that sort of thing. But... He's looking really good this season. As I said, they've got a really good receiver core, which I quite, I quite like the look of. And it saddens me to think that they could get quite deep in the, in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you look at teams sort of built Chiefs, and obviously that's got to be the barometer that, that you've got to look at. Obviously, they're the reigning Super Bowl champs, so, so they are the, the measuring stick. And this team, the Steelers team, obviously, if they can get enough on offense that they have the defense that can really sort of put the clamps on that on that chiefs um offense which is obviously ridiculous so i'd i'd love to see a matchup of those two teams in the playoffs just cuz i think it would make a really good good game just obviously as i say styles make fights and they they match up well so i'd be very intrigued to watch that game it would either be an amazing game or it'd be an absolute toilet game because that's that's just how it seems to work like you either get like a massive like 100 point game or you get like a 3-3 draw there's no in between. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, looking to the Panthers against Saints, like Christian McCaffrey has not been missed at all by the Panthers. I don't think. Uh, was it? Is it Davis has been filling, filling in for him? Yes, yeah, so, took a took a step in the opposite direction. Yeah, I think obviously he's done really well coming in. I, I still think, you know, McCaffrey. There's a reason why many people coming into the season say he's the best running back in the league. It's funny, obviously, this is this league. It very much is a, a what have you done for me lately uh, league, and, and everybody does forget pretty quickly as and when someone else comes in. But I think obviously McCaffrey likely back this week or next if he if he doesn't he's not fit to go this week, and it'll be interesting to see if he starts lighting it up again and everyone suddenly remembers why he's so good. Um, I've got no notes about the Saints at all. I think they were just pretty what you'd expect from the Saints in that game. Like, there's nothing really special about them. There was no sort of massive plays, no yeah, no massive plays, really. They were just the functional Saints. Yeah, they they, they got the job done. Um, Kamara r- remains, uh, just obviously making the case for, for McCaffrey, but Kamara, this season, I'd say he's probably been the rest running back in the league. 
every week uh, he shows up and, and he looks like the best running back in the league. And until proven otherwise, I, I think that he is. Um, so, so, yeah, he, he's clearly their, their, their star. The whole thing surrounding Michael Thomas it just seems to get weirder by the week. The fact that a guy who I broke... I all about that. Record, has come out like, what, the, like, what on earth is that about? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like, it, it's so weird. He was practicing a few weeks ago. He gets in a fight. Then he's suspended for a game because of the fight. But now he's not fit to play, even though he was practicing a few weeks ago when he had the fight, when he was good, supposedly about to play. And they, they can claim that, you know, he's re-injured himself. But it just, it all seems very dubious. Some things afoot. I'd love to know what's going on behind the scenes. There's, There's rumours rumors. trying to trade him as well. Yeah, rumours of, of, of potential trade. Apparently, from a cap perspective, that is very unlikely just because apparently they're absolutely screwed next year anyway. I think they're already scheduled to be $75 million over the cap at this point in time. And if they were to trade him, they would have another dev cap of $20 million. So that would put them $95 million over, over the cap. So I think that he'll be staying around just purely for that reason, if nothing else. Yeah, this team, if they don't win a Super Bowl this season, um, I don't think there's any chance they're winning a Super Bowl in a very long time until they saw that situation. Are they, I don't really know much about the cap situation because like numbers terrify me a little bit, James. I'm not going to lie to you. I generally think in terms of like carrots and onions and stuff like that. That's like my, my, my base unit of currency. Um, but as far as I know, like Drew Brees is like sucking up a massive amount of their cap. If he retires at the end of this season, like a lot of people think he will, does that negate some of that, or does that mean that that is a his is if he's got like another year, does that mean they're still having to pay him for the other year, even though he's retired? No, so so that would uh, if if he does retire, which as I say has been strongly talked about throughout this off season and this season uh, that he, he might at the end of this season. So that would certainly help them somewhat. Now that's sort of his contract is about thirty million dollars um, that, that he he's owed next season. So that will take thirty million, but that would still leave them even with that. You're talking what forty five million over the cap. So even oh, I've got that down the back of the sofa. Yeah, well they're going to have to sort of find that from somewhere um, if they if they do. But it's yeah, it's not 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 pretty. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't envy the situation down in New Orleans. Like I can't. As you say, like, unless it happens this year, I can't see them winning a, a Super Bowl for a good little while again. Um, speaking of teams that aren't going to win the Super Bowl anytime soon, the Jets and their game against the Bills. Jets started looking really good, um, and then they turn into the Jets. Yeah, I mean, the Jets having a, a double-digit lead is one of the weirder things. And so and it's having double-digit points in a game is pretty weird. Yeah, it really was bizarre, particularly against the Bills team who have been Pretty good um, so far this season. I think that obviously the Bills the last two weeks prior to this one that they'd come up against much better opponents, and, and that and it, and it showed that they were probably not quite in that AFC powerhouse. They're probably good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to compete with the with the big boys, so to speak. But this performance is, is quite worrying. You've got to, got to think Josh Allen not managing to get his team into the end zone against a Jets team who had been sort of conceding points for fun uh, up, to, up to this point and then keeping them to, to field goals has to be a concern to, to the Bills Mafia whether or not it's just a blip and seems to be regressing back to what we saw for the what, first couple of seasons more than what he was for the first few weeks where he was MVPS uh, but no win 
keeps them on pace to, to win that division, particularly with the Pats completely falling out the arse out of the, the race. Um, but yeah, not not a one for the purists, let's say that, that, that game. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind eating my words. Like the first few weeks that we were doing this, I was talking up Bill, uh, sorry, Josh Allen quite a lot. Um, to the point where when we had Nat Coombs on, on because uh, you know we're, we're like rich and famous to the point where we have Nat Coombs on as a guest almost every week um, when he was on and I was busy gushing like a schoolgirl I told him that I thought Josh Allen was probably going to be the MVP of the season or if not definitely in the equation and the last three weeks he has made me look a bit of a fool which as anybody knows I can do quite well by myself but thanks very much for that Josh Allen anyway <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah so, so we you think that will they get a win? I think it's. It, I was looking at their schedule, the, the the Jets sort of moving forward, and it it is difficult to see where where a win's going to come. Obviously, there's only ever been two 0 and 16 teams in the the NFL history, but this really could be the third, just based on on their on the, the schedule. They, I mean, they've got the the Chiefs this week, so that, they're definitely going to lose there. I mean, they've got the Patriots the week after that. I mean, if they continue to play as awfully as they have, then maybe they've got a chance, which you, you would never have thought you'd have said a few weeks ago. But outside of that, uh, it doesn't. I can't really see anywhere they realistically get a win. I hope they do go 0-16 because I've got five pounds on them going 0-16. I think it's like 28-1 to 1 or something. So I'm looking at the thick end of 150 quid or something like that. Um, so I'm really, like, I'm gunning for Adam Gase to keep his job this season, you know? Yeah, um, at least until the end of the season. He should be in the job, but I'm, I'm hoping he, he keeps it for at least until the end of the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, okay. So we, I think we need to talk about the Cowboys and Washington game because Andy Dalton came in, looked like shit, and then got the head taken off him by Bostick. Yeah, I mean, what is going on with the Cowboys? They're, they seem to have fallen apart of the seams since that. Uh, Prescott injury. Um, the cramp. Pardon? The cramp. The cramp? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, when, when his ankle cramps. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, the bottom's fallen out for that team. That, that They obviously were awful against the Cardinals um, last week, and then they come into this game, lay another absolute egg. Quarterback gets his head sliced off, as you say, by, by Bostock. Not a single player even goes round him to see how he is. Apparently, there's rumours that McCarthy might be one and done, which we don't see that very very often in the NFL. But apparently, Ian Rappaport has been saying it on Pat McAfee's show this week. So there's obviously been some talks around the league of that of that potentially happening. It's just an absolute disaster. It seems like they need to blow the whole thing up uh, and start again at this point. A couple of weeks ago, when Andy Dalton came in for Dak after the the pretty severe cramp. He played quite well, and then the next, like the next week against the Cards, he was toilet, and then this week he's got the excuse of having his head missing. Um, he wasn't that great at the Bengals either, Andy Dalton. So like, why? There's a lot of talk of him being one of the best backups in the league, but I'd argue that he's probably not, and the evidence is is proving that to be the case. Uh, I mean, his time at the Bengals was up and down. He was very much the the case where he's a game manager. If it, if the Rounding talent around him is is fairly reasonable. He's usually fairly reasonable. If his surrounding talent isn't very good, he's normally not very good. Uh, he doesn't really elevate his teams in any way. I, I personally thought when he took over, as you say, with the collection of pa- pass catchers that they've got, 
over there in Dallas that he might be able to be reasonably okay. Obviously, the defense is trash, but he might be able to be all right. That hasn't turned out to be the case at this point. He seems, you know, he looks like he hasn't played in a long time, looks sort of shot of confidence, taking massive shots to the head is not going to improve that. So, yeah, he might be stop thinking he's Dark Prescott. Maybe, or any manner of other things based on how hard that hit was. <laughs> God, it looks so painful, though. And uh, and Bostock, as we discussed before we started recording, like Bostock's got a little bit of form for it. Like, there's a photo that I saw circulating on on Twitter earlier in the week that um, Bostock had done uh, the same thing to Teddy Bridgewater in college, and like the helmet just come clean off, and like Bridgewater's still in the air, and his eyes are already shot, and it just looks horrendous. Like that boy's got to be, he's got to be kicked out of the league. Surely that's just brutal. And kicked out of the game at least. Like, yeah, obviously. I, I mean, I saw he was sort of kicked out of the game, and rightly so, based on the, the ferocity of the hit. Um, he wasn't fined. God knows why. The NFL wouldn't have fined him afterwards. It was horrific. There was no need for it whatsoever. Dalton was down. Yes, I appreciate that defensive players like to take the opportunity when UB runs out to put a bit of a, a smack on him just so he go, knows his place. But... There's no, there's no call for that. He should definitely be fined. He's obviously a bit of a dirty player. Those monikers, once you get them, they're hard to to shake off. But it seems uh, in this case, watch, yeah. rightly deserved. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we spoke quite a lot about the Cowboys there, but we think we need to give a bit of credit to Washington. Um. No one put any sort of faith in them for this season, but they're actually not doing terrible in a very terrible league. And uh, no. the 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 good news this week is that Ron Rivera, the head coach, has been. Uh, been declared cancer-free. So that's uh, like he's rang that bell. That's uh, pretty good news for them all around. A little feel-good story thrown in the middle of all that. But as far as the team goes, do you have anything at all to say about them? Because I can't think of anything. Their D-line is very good. Chase Young continues to look the all the, the part of everyone's he said coming into the draft that he was the most talented player in the draft and a, an absolute sort of must-have. He's that up to this point, he is showing every reason why everyone had that much confidence in him. Um, so in games where, you know, the other team aren't particularly good, they are going to to be able to sort of smack the quarterback and, and make it very, very difficult. So, yes, they, they, they will be competitive in, in games where you don't have particularly good offense. That's fair. That's that's pretty much about as as far as you can say. They just they don't really register in my, my, my radar. I don't know why. They're just, they're just there. I mean, the, oh, look, the Washington are playing again. Oh, brilliant. Who are they playing? Oh, it doesn't really matter. So that's, that's all it is in my head. They're just, they're just a name on a bit of paper somewhere. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're one of those teams that obviously sounds arrogant, but they're not going to be challenging for Super Bowls. So when you're looking, your perspective is but who's, uh, who's a, the main threat? They don't look that. Carl Allen is, you know, he's fine as a quarterback. Played okay, but yeah, I can't see them doing any real damage as it gets to the business end of the season. No, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not holding a breath for them for the playoffs this year, at least. Um, the Bucks, though, they played the Raiders this week. The Bucks are looking like they could be going for a deep, deep playoff run. It upsets me quite a lot that Tom Brady is clicking and Rob Gronkowski is no longer looking like the the robot he was in Week One and Two. And obviously, that seemed to happen against us two weeks ago, and it's very, very upsetting. Yeah, this Bucks team is is very, very, very good. 
and it's a little bit scary as, as things start to click. Obviously, alongside the fact that they really start to be working out both on offense and defense, is they've also signed Antonio Brown of for up to a one one year deal. So the ridiculous fancy football lineup they've already got on offense is made better. Um, yeah, they're going to take some stopping this season. There's no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> Brady seems to have rolled back years. He threw an unbelievably gorgeous touchdown pass to Scotty Miller in the back of the end zone. One of the nicest passes I've seen for a very long time. And yeah, they are legit. There's no no two ways about it. That deep pass was absolutely perfect. Like you couldn't if anywhere else and feel he's not getting it, but it's right there, right in the corner. Uh, the, the defender player had no chance again at all whatsoever. It, it kills me, but like Tom Brady's looking good this year. I don't necessarily hate Tom Brady. I just hate the Evil Empire. I think that's my problem. Yeah, it's it's quite funny. Obviously, going into this season, one of the big narratives and talking points from the the football media, so to speak, was all about obviously Brady and, and Belichick and who was going to get the better. And you know, will all this sort of once and for all prove the the argument, so to speak, of, of who was more important? Obviously, at this point, it's three nil. Brady, you'd imagine he he's look he seems as those regress uh, not regress but I mean roll back the years uh, to sort of almost MVP esque form, whilst Belichick is is languishing on a, on a two and four squad. Cam Newton looks a, sh- sh- a wreck of his former self post COVID. I don't know what COVID did to him, but it's it's not look, not been pretty close. Well, his arm up or something. Yeah, I mean, he, he just not seen the throw. I mean. Admittedly, their pass catch saw last season when Brady was there are a piss poor. There's no no ways about it, but yeah, it's certainly Tom Brady in the sunshine in in Tampa Bay is certainly having the better of compared to, to to old Billy Boy up in New England. How long do you think it's going to be until Justin uh, Justin Julian Edelman ends up in Tampa Bay as well? Get the band back together. Yeah, I mean, if surely the, the Patriots aren't, wouldn't trade him away um, at this point. He is literally their only competent receiver at this point in time. How much he would love to go, I'm sure he would jump on the next flight if he, he was given the opportunity. But uh, I can't see New England sort of parting ways with their only receiver of any worth at this point. No, that's fair enough. But, I mean, it, it, was, it would be probably quite nice for uh, Brady and Gronk to have their old playmate back. But as far as as far as the the rest of the Patriots go. They're just, I think they're in the bin this year. Like they might as well give up now. Um, they're probably about what fifteenth, which is like the highest draft pick they've had in years. Um, yeah, I mean apart from that, I don't know. Uh, the Raiders, they looked okay. Like Derek Carr's throwing a, the ball deeper than he has done for a long time. I think not with much accuracy, but he's doing it. Yeah, um, I, I think he's been obviously uh, better than than in years past. I think that. It was always going to be a tough matchup against that, that Buccaneers team. See, we we know firsthand how good they can be. So it's um, it's going to be a tough out for anyone this season. So I don't give too much sort of want to give too much criticism for for losing against them. And by all accounts, he played reasonably well given the circumstances. Better than Rogers, in fact, uh, against that that Buccaneers D. So yeah, when, but when you come up against a side who seems to be clicking on all fronts, it, it's always going to be very very difficult. I'd just, I'd just like to mention um, how well Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller are playing for the Raiders as well. Just generally, not necessarily in the last game, but for this whole season, they've been doing really well. I think Josh Jacobs is what, his second year or something, and he looks incredible. 
Yeah, he's a really, really good running back at, at this point. Um, he's shown that in his first rookie season last year and then into this season. He's really, really good. And I think that he's going to be good for, for a long, long time. Darren Waller is a true sort of inspirational story. You know, he's drafted by the Ravens. Of an afterthought, got suspended for, for drugs, ended up going to rehab and then gets picked up by the, the Raiders. He was actually, this is a crazy story, but he was practicing on, on the side of the pitch before a game whilst he was on the practice squad for the Ravens. And he was seen by Mike Mayock um, and John Gruden practicing. And they saw the size of this guy, 6'6", six, six, absolutely huge, looks like an absolute specimen. And they thought, well, yeah, we want a bit of that action. So they went when they finished the game, they, they, they picked him straight off of waivers um, and straight off the practice squad of the Ravens and from strength, strength ever since. So, yeah, he's, I mean, he's easily top five tight ends in the league at this point, which from being out of the league and suspended, it really is a, a sort of really good feel-good story. But the, but the Ravens are kicking themselves that they let him go. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've only got Mark Andrews, so it's, <laughs> sure, sure they feel all right. <laughs> Uh, the Chiefs beat the Broncos in the snow. Um, Denver have been riddled with injuries all season. Like you, it's barely their second stringers out there at the moment. Um, the Chiefs still managed to look good, though, despite everything, really. Yeah, I mean, it was what when you're playing against the Chiefs, you can't give them any freebies. And what did the Broncos do? They gave them a pick six and a, a return touchdown, 102 yards. Given the spot of the 14 points, you're not going to win. And that's what the Broncos found out. That, that I think from an offensive point of view, the Chiefs weren't as electric as they usually are. I mean, the snow certainly helps to slow down a high-powered offense like that. But, um, yeah, when you're going to give them 14 points, you're going to lose nine times, well, 99 times out of 100. Unless you're playing the Falcons, obviously. Yeah, well, they can spot them sort of 28 points and probably still come back well well 23 so 25 <laughs> points uh, yeah we had the this weekend we had the return of Jimmy G back to new uh, against the Patriots as well like the Patriots I mean we, we touched on it a minute ago but I mean they're looking hilariously bad this season it is almost criminal to see Bill Belichick struggling so much yeah it it was I mean I personally picked the, the Patriots to win that game well foolishly clearly but I believe I have an awful lot of confidence in Belichick and I thought that, you know, he'll write the ship, Cam Newton, another week back, he's probably going to sort of turn things around. I, I couldn't have been more wrong. Carl Shanahan outcoached Belichick. There's no two ways about it. He, we, we've seen firsthand, obviously against San Fran twice last season, how good of a coach Shanahan can be, particularly when he starts scheming up those, those run plays. He doesn't matter who's in the backfield, it seems that they'll, they'll run for 100 yards on you. At a, at a minimum, this week the, the running back of choice was Wilson before he went out with a with a knee injury. But it, it doesn't seem to matter. I think I could play running back in that 49ers squad and, and run for 100 yards and two touchdowns, based on the, the production they get out of pretty much everyone. That's a bold shout, and I would love to see it. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm very worried about the idea of getting hit that much. But uh, based on the wide open lanes, I think I'll be all right. Um, yeah, like, uh, we spoke briefly about Justin Herbert earlier as well. He's, he finally got a win, but I mean, it was against the Jaguars, like, but a win's a win. Um, he's looking incredible this year, considering that he, he just sort of like popped up, considering uh, Tyrod had uh, that weird 
lung thing that went on with his doctor, and then he's, he's just never, never broke a sweat ever since. It just looks really, yeah. really confident. Absolutely, it's um, obviously one of those, one of the reasons why the draft is such an exciting event. Just so you can take one player, uh, and if it's a hit, he can completely sort of change the outlook of your franchise for the next 10, 15 years. And that's what Herbert come in and he's just been electrifying thus far in every game. Obviously, he hasn't only won one, but he's gone toe-to-toe with sort of future Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, for the first few weeks in Mahomes, Brady and, and Breeze. And then obviously comes up against Minshew and uh, not quite the same matchup. And, and they, they finally get, 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 a, get a win. But no, that... Chargers team, if you, if you look, they, they they are fairly stacked outside of the QB position, and when they get sort of Derwin James back from injury next season, and perhaps bring in a bit more O line talent, they could legitimately challenge in the NFC West next season, and that just goes to show obviously how important if you can nail that pick on on a QB, it completely sort of changes the outlook of your franchise. They didn't really make it easy for themselves to charge. Like they had a like a punt charge down at one point that went in for a, a field goal, I think. And um, I think I think they sort of like they got away with it a little bit, but they still look good good value for their money. Yeah, I mean, I think they made harder work of it than than, than they perhaps should have. I mean, James Robinson, uh, the running back, but for, for, for the. Uh, the Jags had himself a bit of a day. I think he had a sort of 119 yards on the ground and a touchdown. We also had a, a receiving touchdown as well. And um, in the second quarter, he was seemed to be everywhere. And then they managed to sort of slow him down somewhat. Uh, and yeah, eventually they they took over and got the W. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I really like the way Justin Herbert plays. I mean, I don't really give much of much thought to the Chargers in general, but Justin Herbert is kind of making me sit up and take notice of them. Um, as you say, like a few. A few more clever acquisitions on the on the O line, and they they would be like a bit of a force in that division, I think. Um, right, the the Bears Rams last night. I mean, I don't really want to talk about it because it's a bit shit. We kind of spoke about it earlier. Um, it was fucking awful. I, I I foolishly stayed up to watch it because I got not not to say insomnia problems because I was trying to get I was trying but I was trying to have it put me to sleep basically. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thankfully only watched the highlights. As I said earlier, I wouldn't really classify them as, as highlights. They, <laughs> they was a pretty dull affair. I was very obviously really happy with the result just because it puts the back back on top of the NFC North. I mean, I personally think that on paper we should be able to, to beat them later in the season, but it's always nice to to look at the the table and see Packers where they should be uh, riding high. Um, but outside of that, you three win percentage, by the way. Pardon? We're a 0.833 win percentage. Yep. Um, hopefully, obviously that gets a bit better after the Vikings game on, on Sunday. We can keep sort of stacking those wins. Um, Mike McCarthy, um, for all his sins, what you always used to say, sort of get to 10 wins, see where, where you are, and, and then start to, because that's probably going to get you to the playoffs, and then you can start to sort of plot for playoffs and seeding. And that's got always got to be your aim, I think, is get to that sort of 10 win mark. The quicker you can get there, the better. Um, and hopefully, obviously, the Packers can do it in another five games. I'm not going to count my chickens by any stretch of imagination, particularly that, that 49ers game uh, next Thursday night after this Vikings game. Don't want to look too far ahead, but that one obviously looms very large, given that they're a bit of a bogey side at this point in time. But you know, the quicker the Packers can get to 10 wins, they are currently 
Uh, you can't really read too much into it in October, but they are currently the number one seed. Obviously, there's only one one team that gets a bye this season for that number. If you can nab that one seed, it really is going to be a game changer this season, more so than it ever has been in years gone past. So it'd be, it'd be certainly intriguing if they can keep stacking wins uh, as we get towards the, the business end. Just to, uh, just to circle back briefly to the Bears' rounds there, I think I'm actually genuinely angry at both teams for making me watch that shit. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not even, like, you're, you're sort of giggling away there, but I'm genuinely not, not joking. I'm so furious at them for making me waste my time until half past three this morning. Um, moving on, because otherwise I'll just get myself all wound up again. The Seahawks-Cardinals, overtime win for the Cards. What a game. It was so excited. It was like the total anti- antithesis of last night's game. Yeah, it was without a doubt the game of the week. Game of the year, I would say up to this point, it was truly incredible. You didn't know which way things were going to go. The momentum swung forward and then it swung back for, for either side. And then obviously the Cardinals to, to come out and get the, the massive W, which completely changes the outlook, not just for the uh, the NFC West, but, but also for the, the NF, uh, NFC, uh, the playoff picture, as we mentioned, obviously that, that win does the Packers a nice favour as it pulls the, gives the Seahawks the same loot, sort of number of losses as us thus far. So, yeah, truly cracking game. Uh, so many moments that you could speak of. Obviously, the one that everyone's seen a million times is the Buda Baker pick and then DK Metcalf out of absolutely nowhere comes and <laughs> makes a tackle um, to stop, a, to stop a, a would-be pick six off of uh, Russell Wilson. On on that exact play, the like Buda Baker was moving at like twenty one and a half mile an hour or something like that, and still DK Metcalf, who's like five times his size, it's like twenty times his muscle mass, just pops up at twenty two miles an hour and smacks the taste out of his mouth. It was something to behold. Like it really was, and it was such a perfect form tackle. I wish DK could come and speak to some of the Packers uh, guys about having to make a perfect form tackle because it was unbelievable how well he brought him down, given the amount of the speed that they, that they were running at. But, um, yeah, that was incredible. I mean, w- Russell Wilson, obviously, if we're looking at MVP watch, threw three picks on, on the night. One of them, the one to Patrick Peterson in the end zone, was just an awful throw, which I don't say very often with, um, with Russell Wilson. Um, obviously, I know that on Twitter, the Seahawks fans gave uh, a lot of stick to, to Rodgers after the Bucks game, and how can anyone, you know, who's thrown two picks in a game potentially win MVP? And then, obviously... Russell Wilson goes out and throws three in the next game, which is always a you nice bit of poetic <laughs> justice, isn't it? Um, and it's nice to see. I think obviously it closes that gap back because I'd say that he had probably built up a bit of a lead over Rodgers. If Rodgers can continue to play like he did against the Texans, then he might well overtake uh, Wilson. But it's uh, yeah, probably going to go down to the wire if they keep playing as well as they have done this point, this far. Yeah, I think that puts the Seahawks at five and one as well, doesn't it? So it's just the Steelers that are left as the the undefeated team, the lone undefeated squad, the Miami Dolphins team. Uh, watch with their sort of champagne corks half out at this point, ready to to, to pop that when the Steelers get their first loss. Um, but uh, yeah, that Steelers team are pretty good, so maybe they might make them sweat a bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the way that the the Seahawks are playing. I mean, not too much, obviously, because they're kind of like sort of rivals are for the, the top seed in the playoffs and that. But it does feel quite nice to know that they're fallible because they, they were looking incredible for the first few weeks of the season. Um, and I'm not just saying this because one, one of my 
friend, uh, friend and work colleagues is a massive Seahawks fan, but I'm really glad they lost. Really glad. Yeah, no, <laughs> I I very much dislike the the Seattle Seahawks. Um, those memories of of the NFC Championship game in in sort of 2014 are enough to last a lifetime, and I will never get over that game. I don't believe, but. So whenever I see them lose, I'm never devastated. Less that, and yeah, it was certainly good to see. I mean, their their defense is atrocious. They they rely solely on on, on Russell Wilson, which obviously up to this point had worked pretty well. Um, it'll I think that it'll be intriguing to see how they get on in their division. Obviously, they're zero and one in their division now, and four and a, uh, five and zero against everyone else. That division is going to be an absolute bloodbath until the end, just because of the quality of all four sides um, who, who's, the, who's the worst team it remains to be seen because the 49ers seem like they're all the way back at this point the Rams obviously they're not that entertaining to watch this season but they've got a good defence and they can probably do just enough on offence in most games Cardinals proved that they're legit beating the, sea, the Seahawks and then the Seahawks have, again they were the cream of the, the NFC prior to this game so it's going to go down to the wire and, it's, and they're going to all take lumps out of each other which is, is good news for, for the other teams in the, in the conference So on the, on the subject of the Cardinals briefly um, they had like a couple of a couple of whoops games where they, they lost to the Lions I think it was and I think they didn't play particularly well the following game um, I, I can't remember who it was but they, it wasn't particularly clever they're, I think they're going to have like a fairly up and down season, but they, it looks like they're on the up. Like they, their acquisition of uh, Hopkins has just been the catalyst for them being so much better this year than they were last year. Where do they go from here? Do you think they can overtake the Seahawks this year? Um, I don't know if they can overtake them this year. I, I, I personally think that their ceiling this season is probably a, a playoff berth. I think that's a fair. Reputation. I think, I mean, it's not inconceivable at this point in time to suggest that the NFC West could send uh, all of its teams to the, the playoffs, which would obviously it's the first year that seven teams will be going. And so the first time it's been historically possible for one division to send every team to the playoffs. And it is conceivable that they, they could do it if they continue on the same trajectory, which would be, which would be pretty wild. I don't think that they've likely to make a deep playoff run just because there's still quite a lot of deficiencies on, on that team that only obviously a couple of seasons ago they drafted first overall when they, they took they're t- certainly moving in the right direction and, and you've got if you're a Cards fan you've got to be pretty, pretty excited for the future whereas you've got, you've got Kyler Murray and you've made so, such a massive amount of progress in such a time So on, on the, the subject of the playoff picture there you said uh, it's, it's you're right it's very possible that the NFC West could send all four teams to the playoffs, but then they have to come up against whichever dog shit team it is that like, leaks out of the NFC East. Imagine, imagine if only three teams got got through from the NFC West. How bad would you feel as the supporter of probably the Forty Nine ers at this point to not even be better than the worst team in the NFC East? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've. They've always said, I mean, it's always been the case that if you win your division, you get a home playoff. I personally think that if you win your division, you, you probably should get a playoff berth just because that ha- has always been the, the yardstick. Now, I, I've always disagreed that, it, that, that a worse team should get a home playoff game. I think it should be then seeded. I think, yes, you win your division, you get a playoff berth. That is fair enough. 
but when you see some of like a crap NFC's team could be hosting a really really good Seattle team, they could be hosting a 49ers or Rams or Cardinals, for example. You just think this isn't fair. I mean, last season is, is sort of proof of that that the Eagles hosted the uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seahawks obviously had they managed to get in the end zone in Week 17. They they went from having a bye to having to go on the road, but for the playoffs, which is just ridiculous. And I've always thought that rule kind of starts. No, that's fair enough. I just thought I'd get your uh, get your opinion on that because obviously no one's really listening to both of us except the other one of us. Um, all right, so that's actually every single game for the entire league, which was more than I thought we would have covered, which is fair enough. That gives us an extra like ten minutes, so you know we could probably get a sponsor out of this or something. Um, who's your? Well, we've not done it for the last couple of weeks because I think we no, we did it two weeks ago, but not last week because you were on the sick. And I forgot to ask Dan and David. But who's your MVP of the week this week? Over my MVP of the week this week, I've gone for Tom Brady. Um, Are you bad? Through, yeah, through through gritted teeth. But um, he looks awesome, as, as I mentioned earlier. He's playing really, really well. If you look at his stats, um, they, they actually are very comparable with his um, MVP season um, back in, in 2007. So at this point... If he continues to keep playing in this vein, then yeah, he, he's my MVP for, for this week, and he could make uh, make up ground in the MVP race for the, for the league as well. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I'm always going to disagree with anything positive about Tom Brady, but I'll let you have it because you know someone has to, I suppose, at some point. Um, I went for even though I hated the game, Johnny Keller, the Rams punter. He hit every single punt. It was every single one was essential. They're all perfect. They all bounce within the ten yard line, and he just looks so happy. He looked like he looked like a dog with two dicks the whole game. Do you know what I mean, you can't you can't fault someone who's just like playing with such joy, even though all they do is boot a ball along the field. For the brand, baby. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I was at school, like it used to be the bigger kids that would come along and boot your ball away, and that's basically all he was doing for a, for a full hour. Yeah, and he looked like he's having fun. So you know, you can't you can't really hate someone who's having fun. I hate just the game, but he was fun. So. Honorable mention for obviously MVP. Obviously, Devontae needs another shout out. Obviously, incredible performance. He is unbelievably good. Um, as we saw, he's only played three and a half games this season so so far, and and the two full games that that he played, obviously week one and then this game, fourteen catches and thirteen catches two scores and a lot of yards in both games. Obviously, the week one game was against the Vikings, so hopefully more of the same on, on, on Sunday of just tearing apart their secondary. But no, him and Rodgers are on form. They are something to be told. If the one thing does rip the Vikings, you know, the Vikings to bits again, I think Andy, the, who's in a group chat in it for a big six leagues, I mean, he will probably cry at the very least. And it'd be, it would actually give me quite a lot of joy because he get, well, they've got, he got a podcast called Outside the Huddle and they give me quite a lot of stick on it. So if they do, <laughs> I'm going to just lord it over him for a little while. Um, moving on then, you're Mr. Irrelevant this week. Yeah, so my Mr. Irrelevant of the week is Mr. Todd Gurley. What Man. a fucking spanner. <laughs> <laughs> he cost your, the team the game because you couldn't fall over you amateur and that's all I'm going to say about that he is the yeah he is my Mr. Relevant 
Yeah, no, I mean, I had the I had the entire Jets team because they're just the Jets. But no, you're you're probably probably more accurate with Todd Gurley because what a brain fart! So he's going to be one of the smart players in the league as well. And what a way to lose for all the stick that the Falcons have had for like the whole season, and they 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 had it in their hands and they still shot the bed throughout. Like, and it was millimeters they shot the bed by. Yeah, oh, man, it's unreal. It, I mean, I, I would pain me at this stage to to be in that position to be a Falcons fan because it must. It just they've seemed to find a new, a more and more embarrassing and painful way to lose each and every week. However, I did hear this today that um, apparently in his contract he needs twelve touchdowns for the season to uh, activate a part of his contract for another half a million dollars, and that was his seventh. So uh, if, if he does get there. He'll probably be quite happy, but I imagine his teammates are still pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> that has a certain dimension to it that I, hadn't, that I didn't know about before. Like maybe it's all a, it's all a fix. It's a, oh, this oh, there's layers to this. There's layers to this. It, probably some, I don't know how, but somehow Bill Belichick's involved in this. I'm not sure how. There's some sort of underhanded dealing going on. No I'll, doubt. I'll, I'll work on that tinfoil hat theory later on. Um, right, James. As always, we'll finish up with: Have I forgotten anything? What's what else has gone on around the league? Uh, I think we've covered all based around the league. The only thing that I, I left to cover, I'd say, is, is get our score predictions for, for this week's uh, game against the Vikings. Yeah, that makes sense. We probably should have done that a bit earlier, eh? Yeah, no, it's all right. <laughs> I, I've, I've got the Packers winning 31-20 this week. Yeah, I've got 33-19. So. Not too dissimilar then. Yeah, we, um, we tend to be fairly close most weeks. I'm pretty optimistic, but uh, yeah, no. Hopefully, another another win if we can get to six and one. As I say, six tenths of the way there to that that sort of win mark and, and sort of playoff qualification, and then we can really start to sort of push on for those, those sort of high playoff seedings. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, one thing that did occur to me a couple of weeks ago that I forgot to bring up, and I'm going to air my dirty laundry about this on the podcast. Uh, see these score predictions. In week mm-hmm. one, we said it was going to be a head-to-head competition against us, but we keep always going for the same team. How are we going to calculate this come the end of the year? Yeah, that's a good point. Perhaps moving forward, we should look to pick a game for the, of the next week and then both pick it. And we'll pick the hardest game and then we'll make a tally. So this week, I'm going to very quickly behind... Everyone's getting to look behind the curtain now. Like, yeah, just everyone talk amongst yourselves for a second now while we both frantically Google what the, score, what the games are for next week. Okay, so the pick of the game this week is Ravens Steelers. What a game, by the way. Oh, um, bad person. That could have been such an easy game. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to pick the hardest one because then it makes it, it the most, uh, most likely we'll pick different teams. So I'll let you pick first. Ah, oh, see, it's hard to look past. Pittsburgh, but I do like the way the Baltimore playing. That being said, Lamar hasn't really been electrifying the, the last couple of weeks. I'm going to have to go with Pittsburgh. So you go for Pittsburgh to move to six and zero. Oh. Yeah, that's no, a big seven and zero. Seven and zero. Okay, well, if you go to, if you go Pittsburgh, I'll go Ravens. I mean, it's it's a toss up. I I could make very Compelling arguments for either side. But I'll, um, yeah, I'll go for the Ravens. They're obviously coming off a, a bye. Uh, they're at home. So, obviously, there's not as much of a factor this season as it usually is. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 
the, the Ravens to give uh, give the Steelers their first loss of the. the... Uh, I don't know if I like my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you first choice. I, know. I really struggled. <laughs> you put me on the spot in a panic. <laughs> uh, all right, so, right. Hang on, I'm going to write this down because otherwise, right. So I went for Steelers, and you went for Ravens, which is fuck probably the smart choice. Fuck me. Um, no, no, Pittsburgh are strong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back myself here. Um, I'm probably not gonna put any money on it, but um, nah, it has to be the Steelers. Surely the, the way they're playing, like all the weapons they've got. If Big Ben doesn't shit the bed, it's it's hard to see past them. Like the Ravens are only putting up big numbers against the small teams. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be a cracker. I think that's the reason why I sort of looked when I looked through the games. I picked that one just because I thought, well, that's probably the one of the games you think is probably hardest to pick. The other one I thought. Was the Seahawks 49ers again another pretty quality matchup? No, I think the Seahawks take that personally. You think? Yeah. I, I, the, the Niners, they really do look good over the last, course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but they got pumped by Miami a couple of weeks ago. They did, but since then, they, they seem like they've turned a, turned a corner. But yeah, but they still got pumped by Miami a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is pretty, pretty inexcusable. Uh, yeah, no, I thought, looking around, I mean, there's. Probably Indiana, uh, sorry, Colts against Lions are probably another good, good matchup. Oh, that would probably, uh, I'd say that would be Colts winning that one. I think, yeah, I think the Colts will, will win that one. Mm. All right, so, but we'll stick with the Steelers Ravens game before we get too bogged down in details because we've already been talking for like an hour and a bit, and probably people are bored of us. Well, all 10 listeners, and I'm pretty sure two of them are my mum. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, right, on that note, then, James. Um, if you want to follow us, if you're still listening, and you want to follow us on Twitter, we can be found at ShufflePack. You can email the pod at ShufflePackPod at gmail.com. I think that's right. I usually get that one wrong. Um, anything else, James? No. Um, hopefully, when we speak next week, we'll be 6-1, and one, cruising towards the, the playoffs, another NFC North championship. But, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Sunday's game. Yeah, no, it should, it should be good. It should be another massive win for the Packers against the Vikings. And I can't wait to drink Andy's tears. So, all right, on that note, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.